Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good evening. How we doing? Huh? We doing all right? Okay. You know that scripture I shared with you about the aroma of Christ. I was in London ministering uh, one time and uh, did an altar call. And I was close enough to the people to where when they were walking up, you could catch the, the aroma. I'm not even being, I'm, I'm not being silly. And I'm not, I'm, there was this man that came up to the altar and um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he was, he was a massive man. Like he was, he was really big and he was sweating profusely and I, and he, he reeked. Like, honestly, he, he stunk so bad. And in the natural, you could be repulsed just, just, just being honest with you. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit, it was the craziest moment. We'd seen so many miracles. People were getting healed and touched. And that, that meeting, remember, Di, that meeting, this lady lost, she, she lost so much weight in the prayer. God did something in her body. She lost so much weight, she had to hold her britches up. They were falling off when she left. Like God was doing all these miracles. And one of the greatest miracles that happened that night was actually in my heart when I saw this, this man who was right here at the altar and he was large and sweaty and he stunk. And the Holy Spirit just whispered to my heart and said, I need you to go give him the biggest hug you've ever given anybody. And man, as I took steps towards that, that man, something I, literally, I feel like, and I might be delusional, some of you might already think that, but I felt like I smelled Jesus. And I realized in that moment what that scripture meant. Like, like we literally, if you understand this correctly, we are the aroma of Christ. I can't imagine how good Christ smelled. Do you guys ever think about stuff like that when you read the scripture? Man, what do you smell like? <laughs> Somebody say cookies? <laughs> that would be my thought too. Just a big fudge brownie smell. But there was something on him that was so attractive, right? Like, like he just, when he would walk, he would just attract the unattractive. And, and yet that same fragrance would repel the seemingly attractive. Isn't that weird? Like to one, he was the smell of glory. To the other, he was the smell of death. Same cult, same crowd. And in that same crowd when he would minister, the, the, the crippled, the lame, the prostitute, the hurt, the broken, he would smell just amazing. And then to the learned and the educated and the spiritual, he would smell disgusting to the point where they wanted to kill him. And I feel like we got that choice every day we wake up. Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, they sm you smell really good. Look at him and say, you smell like Jesus. And he smells really good, so. Uh, 
I was going to show a video, but I'm not going to show it. I, I, we're going to hold that for another time. Um, I want to put a scripture, Matthew chapter 21. Can we put that one up? That's verses 28 through 32. Um, Jesus, it's crazy. Like Jesus, when he would come, it said he spoke as one that had authority, meaning with the words that were coming out, he backed it. You know what I mean? It was like the word he preached was backed by a demonstration usually. And I really want to believe as a people, every time we release any word, it's actually backed by a tangible demonstration of heaven, right? Invading earth. And so when you, when you look through the gospels, Jesus mentioned the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. In, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's mentioned over 85 times. Okay, so the kingdom of God, what we've been hearing about, the king and his kingdom, what we've been hearing Pastor Stovall and Pastor Chris, and, and what we're trying to, to really minister in this season is, is how do we elevate the king and then understand that kingdom? Like, how do we see that kingdom as it is there start coming here and manifesting here like it would there? Yeah, and so you, he never really defines it. You can't really define the kingdom, but he would always illustrate it. Does that make sense? And so he would give these parables. He said, what do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and he said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. Uh, you, uh, how many of you were here Sunday? Okay, a few of you. Well, Pastor Stovall was talking about in this life, we've been given an assignment. Our ultimate destiny is actually in the age to come, and you've been given an assignment in the vineyard now. God's given you something to work right now in this age, and so here's what's amazing. What you do in this age actually counts in the age to come. So you could be a stay-at-home mom, you could be a student, you could be a CEO, you could be an athlete, you could be a lot of different things, but if you steward well in this age, you get to rule and reign in that age to come. That's amazing. So instead of worrying about your destiny here, think about your destiny then, which is one day you're going to judge the earth. You're going to judge the angels. This is crazy talk. He's given, he's got a vineyard. There's, there's some, there's an assignment. Say, I've got an assignment. There's an assignment in the earth, and, and the one son answered, I will not, okay? Uh, th these are wonderful children, right? When you go to them and say, I need you to do this, they said, no. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went and did it. How many of you ever been reluctant before when the Lord gave you something to do or somebody gave you something to do, but then you followed through and did it? There's something about follow through that's powerful. And then he went to the other son and said the same. Now he's talking about, remember the group he's talking about. He's talking to this group that maybe felt like they weren't in, so they're always hesitant. You know, that guy at the pool of Bethesda, there was nobody to carry him into the water, right? And so, so what Jesus did is took the living water to him. So there's hesitation when you feel bound, but God will take a hesitant yes. That should be good news to some of you. But this group is the one that he came to over and over, gave them a mission, but they were misrepresenting the Father's heart. And so Jesus came to work things out and represent the Father well. And this son, he told him to go do the same. And he answered, I will go, sir. You know what I mean? It's that, it's that, that Eddie Haskell spirit. Some of you don't even know who Eddie Haskell is. Just talk to somebody old like me later. 
it, it's this facade, I'll do it. You give off that impression, I got this, I'll do it. But he didn't follow through and said, which of the two did what his father did? Well, they all said the first. Now he's talking to these educated spiritual leaders and Jesus said to them, now imagine you're sitting there, you've been leading the people of God for years a certain way and you've been actually trained to think that a prostitute and a tax collector, they don't even get into the kingdom. And Jesus comes and says this, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Uh, can, can, can I get a witness? Are you glad that it's not based on your resume? <laughs> you know, I always think about bringing my good works to God and him just laughing at me. And when I used to live out in Colorado, we, were, we had this beautiful view of the Rocky Mountains. I always had this picture of him laughing at me and going, I made that. There's just something crazy about this kingdom who actually, who, so he's basically talking about the age to come. How does a prostitute and a tax collector get in before these guys in the age to come? And then he goes on and he says this in the next verse. I, I believe we have it up here. But he said, and if we don't, basically he says, this group, when John the Baptist came and preached holiness, this group responded. They changed their lives. But you guys heard the same message, saw their change, and you didn't change at all. It's almost like when Jesus like flipped this whole thing inside out, upside down, like in his culture, the rabbi was this elite person that you would have to petition to follow. And then Jesus comes along as this authoritative rabbi who's been commissioned by God the Father himself. Remember that day of the baptism, the heavens open up, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? The Holy Spirit comes, he goes out, he starts preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Then he goes hunting down these, these fishermen that got told that they would never measure up. They failed out of the religious schooling and he goes, the rabbi goes to them, hunts them down and says, come follow me. Back in his day, you had to petition the rabbi, and then you had to go through this litmus test of are you gonna be faithful and follow through on what he believes? And if you didn't, you were released. You weren't allowed. And then Jesus does the opposite. He breaks a bunch of these liturgical rules. He breaks a lot, much of these ceremonial rules. He, he starts laying hands on unclean people. He starts going into homes that it was previously thought if you went into their home, you get what they got. He starts going into these homes. Zacchaeus, remember him, that wee little man, a wee little man was he? What, what, what was the deal? What, what drove this little dude to climb up in a tree just to get a peek? See, there's something about a hungry, desperate people that draws the gaze of Jesus. And all of a sudden, when everybody else is trying to get you to shut up, blind Bartimaeus, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, son of David. And everybody's going, shh, stop it, stop it. Don't bother the master. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Bartimaeus, come on over. Bartimaeus, a blind man, ditches his begging cloth and starts walking towards Jesus and gets healed. There's something about the magnitude of the one who's calling people that seems to motivate them to give up their previous existence. 
Isn't that true? There was something about Jesus being and what he brought, because he brought a kingdom. There was something in this message that, that he, pre- he preached the kingdom. And if the message of the kingdom of the gospel of the kingdom is preached right, it forces you to have to get out of normal. Some of you have been operating in normal way too long. And God's not mad at you. He understands it. But he's just going, man, if you would just risk in this season, I'm going to move you out of normal, which is usually neutral, and I'm going to put you in overdrive. And, and I feel like God wants to just move us out of normal and, 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 and get us to start taking some risk of, of stepping towards him. He doesn't need a bunch of heroes. He just needs a bunch of individuals that say yes. <laughs> I mean, if the prostitutes and the tax collectors get in, this is great news. Isn't it? That means it's not based on performance. Matthew chapter 22. Let's look at this fun little parable. Um, Jesus again spoke in a parable, Matthew 22, one. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables and he said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. All throughout history, God was calling his people to participate in demonstrating tangibly the rule of God, right? He set Jerusalem this high place so all the other nations could look at Jerusalem and see an example of what the rule of God looked like and in jealousy, they would ditch their gods and go pursue that God. But they continuously, they, they, they just wouldn't come. They needed their own king. They needed their own way, right? Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited. What if we started doing this for our church events? We just actually sent people to your home and go, why haven't you responded? <laughs> Anybody else tired of people not RSVPing? Did you know your RSVP methodology and faithfulness could determine the age to come? See, you don't think like that, but what if, what if that other person's invite is just as valuable as your non-invite, non-response, or whatever that is? See, what if we started thinking, by me being prompt with the response, I'm not talking about church stuff, I'm just talking about life. When you get those calls, we're always getting calls, aren't we, to participate? What if we stop delaying the call and realize that the promptness of our response could determine the city I rule and reign over in the age to come? Okay, four excited golf clappers. We have so not thought about that age. We live so much in this age that we lose sight of that age. And see, if you don't think about that age, then this age, Paul said, if all we have is this age, we are the most pitied people on the planet. We may as well just open the kegs up, just get hammered and put some rave music on and just get after it. Seriously, because that's, that's what we live like. All we got is this age. And so, but what if the age to come is a big deal and how you live now is a big deal? And 
What if, what if you got a child and you tar- start teaching them or, or you start teaching them your assignment is your sibling? And then as a student, your assignment is your teacher. Your assignment is your student, your classmate. Your, you understand what I'm saying? There's these assignments that God's given us and those assignments, how you do with those assignments determines a lot about what reward you're gonna get in the age to come. And I just wanna see you guys loaded down with so many rewards that when you start singing like the angels and the seraphim and they're singing holy, 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 you got a ton of crowns to throw at his feet. I want you to have something to at least chuck at his feet. What a miserable moment when you're standing there in the presence of the lamb who was slain for you, the one who paid it all, and you got nothing to throw at his feet. That freaks me out. There's a bunch of other stuff Jesus says here and he's cutting right to the heart and and a whole other group they, they went to and Uh, They were too busy and uh, the rest seized his servants. He would send prophets, he would send deliverers, he would send tons of people to help his people and they just refused to, you know, surrender and come come all the way in and uh, he keeps, let's keep going here and the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city and and then he said to his servants, you know, we kind of gloss over that but that's kind of crazy. He destroyed those murderers. We didn't read anything about them being murderers. I don't, I don't even know what to say with that. I'm just gonna move on. But it, it seems to be that a response is a big deal. <laughs> right? It seems like a response is a big deal to, to God when it relates to this whole kingdom thing. It seems that a response accompanied by a surrender is a, is a really amazing thing to God. And so the wedding feast ready, but those who invited were not worthy. And so what, what, what makes somebody worthy? And this is where you start getting in all this stuff. And, and let's just keep reading. Well, go therefore to the main roads. Hey, go, get, go, go find as many as you can. So they went and they gathered up all these good and bad. So all, it didn't matter if you were good, didn't matter if you were bad. Go get those Gentiles. Get the crippled, get the lame, get the rejected because when they get the invitation, they're gonna respond. And so those servants went out, they found them. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Let's keep going. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no who had no wedding garment. Now back in the near ancient east, if you threw a wedding as a king for your son, you provided all your guests with the appropriate attire. And so they would have to ditch their clothing, their fashion, and bring on put on the king's fashion. Okay? Now, you can get into all the theological debates. You was once saved, always saved, once. Just read the scripture, okay? When you don't put on his garments, when you don't surrender to his attire, he doesn't seem very pleased with that. I don't know how we can ignore that. I, I mean, friend, how did you get in here without the wedding garment? 
What a weird moment. You, you just responded to, you did everything he said to do. You responded with a yes, you came into the wedding feast, you sat down, everything's going great, you're having a merry old time, you're drinking your wine, you're having your food, you're having a great time, and then the king comes up to you and goes, hey, who let you in? Why aren't you wearing the garments we sent you? You can kind of figure out who that person is, right? It, it's the one that tries to get into his kingdom by a bunch of good deeds and works and, and you don't realize that the king already prepared the whole feast, got the fattened calf. Like, do, have you learned yet that he provides everything needed for this relationship? And, 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 and it's only the ones that think that they can add to it that somehow get dinged in this whole thing. Huh. And what a, what a wonderful destiny outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I think it describes the person that lives in daily torment through their own self-effort. They're exhausted, they're tormented, and they never get breakthrough. And they always blame themselves or they blame God. And they live bound their whole existence because they thought their good works actually did something to move God. Not realizing that they have to be, you have to be saved from your good works, not just your bad ones. There ain't no resumes in this kingdom thing. Is The resume, you better have at the top of your resume, Jesus. I think I made a J, yeah, J, yes, yes. And then he makes this statement, many are called, but few are chosen. April 22nd, 1995. I was in Phoenix, Arizona with my wife, Diane. We were brand newly married. I wasn't serving Jesus. She kind of was, sort of. We'd gone all in on a dream. Moved from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, out to Phoenix, Arizona, where my agent was, and I started training for the draft. Draft day comes. And we're sitting in our one bedroom apartment Hey, listen to this, guys. The phone was attached to the wall back then. It had this crazy thing called a cord. It was really weird, and you'd like hit, you'd like hit this. My son saw a payphone last year, and he was so confused. He's like, what, what is this? But you can imagine, man, I'm waiting. I've been told, I was a division two player, so the odds were against me, but I've been told by the experts, I've got a chance to get drafted either in the late first round all the way to the fourth round. So it could be a great day or it could be a long day. And I'm sitting there waiting on a call. Many are called. And man, that 64th pick came up and the phone rings. You remember that? And my heart is just boom, 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 boom. I pick up the phone and it's Tom Coughlin. He goes, Schwartz, are you ready to be my middle linebacker? And what leapt out of me was, yes, sir. When do you need me? 
right? Now, can you imagine getting that call? And my response is, hold on, coach, I got another team on the line. Hold on, coach. Let me think about my options here. Hold on now. That's going to be inconvenient. I don't even know where Jacksonville is. I've never been there. This is this. I don't know if I like that team. I wanted to get picked by the Chargers. Can you imagine what would go through Tom Coughlin's mind? He just gave up other things to get me. And I have the audacity. I don't know. Let me hold out for a better offer. See, the only difference between being called and chosen is the response. That's the only difference, folks. It doesn't matter what color you are, what height you are, You don't have to be as good looking as I am or as humble. (laughs) But can I tell you something? When the king calls, when somebody that holds all the cards to your life, holds your dreams, holds your, you understand? See, in that moment of him calling me, you got to recognize who's choosing you. We're talking about the GM of the universe, not some church, not some pastor. We're talking about God himself, the ruler over all, is calling you and has called you. And when you recognize that, it's nothing for you. See, in, in comparison to what our, our apartment, we had a futon. Who has a futon? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, but it was a bad futon. I'm sure your futon's amazing. My futon was bad. I'm sorry, that's very insulting. Forgive me. Bless all of you that have futons. See, it's not by futon or effort or might, says the Lord but by my spirit, says the Lord, right? So, but, but it was nothing because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stay in the mindset of division two wannabe football. I had to embrace how he saw me. He saw something in me I couldn't see in me. And that's what you gotta understand. The king of the universe sees something in you that you may not even be able to see in you right now. But here's the good news about the gospel of the kingdom. All it takes is a yes. And what's amazing, I ditched all my cruddy stuff, got a plane ticket, we flew down to a city we didn't know anything about. When we were coming in, we were like, Where, why are all these trees here? This is like, you know, and so we come in and it's hot as Sheol and it's humid and we get off the plane and it's just, but you know it didn't matter. It's like none of that stuff mattered because of who called me. 
See, when you know who calls you, the, the, the little nuisances don't matter that much. What's the big deal about your, your former stuff when you realize who called you and then you show up to the stadium? Are you kidding me? You've only played in front of 2,000 people and now you come up to a stadium and you go up to the security gate and you identify yourself and they're like, come on in. And you get the red carpet treatment. And then, then you start going, oh my goodness. And then you get a new pair of shoes like you could have them every day. And you get the, do you understand what I'm saying? Once I embraced how they saw me, I was able to live from a place of provision and from a place of being equipped instead of trying to scrounge around to get my own pads. Some of you are scrounging around still and you don't even realize the, the attire that he has for you. All right, it's time for me to stop. I'm sweating. Genius, it was 80 degrees today. Why are you wearing a big sweatshirt? Again, the kingdom does not matter. Intelligence, no big deal. Let's respond. Give up your garments, man. What are you waiting for? Why, why are you still trying to put on your own garments? I'm not even talking about salvation. Give up those old gray clo grave clothes, man. Just give them up. Give up your addictions tonight. Seriously, why, why, what's the point? You're just trying to dress something out that doesn't work. Just give them up. Give up your bad relationships. Seriously, give up some of those relationships that you know just aren't helping you at all. Love them, but give them up. Stop, don't, why play games anymore? Have you gotten to the point where it's just a waste of time to play games? You're at the table, man. You've been given the invite. You got to decide whether you're going to put on his gear every day. Because it starts with a yes, but it continues with a surrendered yes every single day of your life. The more you just surrender, the more he moves in your life. And the more he moves in your life, the more you see that what Romans says, you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of God, the image of Jesus Christ. You are the righteousness of God. So I would just say this, if you're here tonight and you know there needs to be an exchange of garments that needs to take place and you know exactly what that means for you, I don't know what that means for you, but you know what that means for you. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Then I would just say this, if you know you need an exchange, you're in the right place. Praise Jesus. Imagine we're all at the table together at the wedding feast and you just happen to have the wrong garments on today. Just requires stripping them off and getting a new set of britches. What you waiting for? Many are called, but few are chosen. The difference between called and chosen is just a simple yes has nothing to do with pedigree. This is where you gotta start in the kingdom. A response matters. 
All right, so every good looking face looking at me, I don't have my glasses on so I can't really make your face out anyway. So it really doesn't matter. I can't tell if you're closing your eyes or not closing your eyes. I can kind of see if your head's lifted up or down. But if you're here tonight and you need to exchange, you need an exchange. I want you to stand to your glorious feet, the feet that are prepared to carry the good news. Stand right up right now. One, two, three, just stand. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.